Well, hello and uh, welcome to another episode of GUcast. Uh, my name is Declan Murphy, urologist here at Peter McCallum Cancer Centre in Melbourne, and uh, I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Dr. Renu Epen, urologist uh, here at Peter Mac as well. Hello, Renu. Hi, Declan. Uh, looking forward to today's podcast for sure. Yeah, it's a real old friend gonna we're going to talk to today, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and it is. Uh, we've had fun in the last uh, few weeks chatting to our various friends around the world um, uh, using Zoom and uh, other means of communication because, of course, we can't see anybody uh, in person anymore, at least for the time being. Um, but it's a, it's a great pleasure to welcome today's guest, uh, who is uh, Dr. Matt uh, Cooperberg, um, urologist at uh, UCSF, uh, University of California, San Francisco, who's really well known to uh, well, all of us who work in urology, especially prostate cancer around the world. Um, and he's a great personal mate. We've had a, a lot to do with each other over the past um, 10 or 12 years. Uh, and of course, Renu, you know him from uh, your time doing fellowship at UCSF. Absolutely. So former boss, great mentor and friend of mine. So very excited to have him uh, on our podcast podcast today. Yeah, and he's he's a, he's been a very regular uh, visitor to Australia and he's been here at Peter Mac uh, as well, of course, as visiting professor only about 18 months ago, it seems like a different era when we were able to welcome our friends from uh, around the world. But today, um, he's joining us on the podcast from uh, home uh, in San Francisco. Uh, Matt, hello. Pleasure. Hi. Good to see you guys. Well, good to good, talk to you. It is good to see you. We're seeing Matt, of course, uh, on Zoom here, and uh, the rest of you are hearing him. And um, very good of you to make uh, make time on a late on a Wednesday evening to talk to us uh, here in Melbourne on Thursday. Thank you, Matt. That's well, a pleasure. As, as close as I can get to Australia these days. It's a <laughs> yeah, it is for the time. And that's being. one of the people we would see multiple times a year. So we've we've certainly missed that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And then that might be one of the things. Might be one of the things we talk about today. The big the big changes we've all seen. Yeah. But Matt, Matt, you know, yeah. of course, as a big key opinion leader in in uh, localized prostate cancer, had, does spend quite a bit of time traveling uh, and and talking about research, uh, which we can talk a little bit about today. So obviously, the whole world is shut down, so nobody's traveling, and we can talk. A little bit um, about that but uh, uh, before we kick off Matt we sometimes um, uh, dig a bit deeper to say to ask people you know do you listen to podcasts are you a podcast listener you can you can reveal your you know your little secrets to us now yeah uh, on and off um, I go back and forth between audiobooks and podcasts on I, I fortunately have a fairly short commute to work so you know podcast is a good sort of bite size but I've, I've uh, on and off over the last four or five years I suppose um, Things like Radio Lab, This American Life. Um, uh, I stumbled across a hysterical one from the BBC called My Dad Wrote a Porno, which is uh, <laughs> literally some guy whose father, late in life, decided to write this sort of smut novel, and they they decided to dramatize it and put on this hysterical uh, uh, BBC production. I think that's the most recent one I listened to, so that's fresh in my mind. Um, and occasionally urology, or a study from my boards, I suppose. This seems very mundane compared to that, but we, we the hospital <laughs> wouldn't let us call mention the name porno in our in our uh, podcast title, would they, Renu? Probably well, a good well, thing. Urology, <laughs> though, isn't it? I mean, you know. Yeah, it's all toilety stuff, isn't it, in our department? It's all urology. So, um, uh, Renu, what else do you want to say to Matt before we kick off? Because we've we got a theme today, haven't we? I mean, it's hard to duck yeah. the coronavirus. And we're going to ask Matt, you know, for to run through a list of some good stuff that's come out of the pandemic. And we'll get yeah. to that in a minute. But um, It's good to focus on, on some of the good things, isn't it? Because we've certainly heard a lot of the negatives. And, you know, we've sort of watched in shock and horror at what's been happening in the U.S., um, but um, but I must say, of, of all the states, California really has has been one of the better ones in terms of at least flattening what is a very steep curve over there. 
We're clearly working in a hospital. We've got all sorts of interference and alarms going off in the background. So please excuse excuse us. Excuse the announcement there. Over to you, Matt. Has done well. You know, California was one of the first states to shut down, um, particularly Northern California, where we are in the Bay Area. I mean, even before the official stay-at-home order. A lot of the big companies here in tech saw things coming and had their workforce stay home. You know, this is even the uh, the early part of March, and that's tens of thousands of, of people who were basically sheltered even before the city officially put an order in place. Uh, and then San Francisco and our Bay Area counties led the state by several days, um, and it's been very successful. You know, the we have had literally one death at UCSF uh, hospital system. There have only been about 30 across the city. Um, and we've had a declining curve for the last couple of weeks now, which is really good. Southern California has been a little bit more challenged, I think, um, for you know, population density in L.A. and you know, various cultural things, people kind of ignoring the orders and the beaches, I suppose. Uh, but even in L.A., things have, have been better than you know, many other parts of the country. Um, I think the, you know, the big question is how, how things will start opening up now. Um, yeah. you know, California is starting. San Francisco is being extremely cautious. Um, so it's, you know, we're all starting to realize that this is going to be much more of a chronic situation, I think. Um, and we're trying to figure out what the new normal is going to look like since they're, we're not going to go back to the old normal anytime soon, unfortunately. Now, I've, I've noticed that your Twitter profile says working from home and, and I know that you, you've written about this and one of the social memes that you, you particularly like is, is telling people to stay at home unless you want a urologist treating your pneumonia. Um, exactly. So... And I, I, I can't take credit for that meme, but I love it. It was yeah. Matt Eisenberg, I think, posted on Facebook. It's, it's terrific. Uh, there's so also, how, there's how a terrific is, ophthalmologist oh, sorry, on, on uh, Twitter, Twitter, too. We've got this whole whole uh, meme about uh, you know how the ophthalmologist should take care of the ventilator, you know, to keep the oxygen going yeah. to the eyes and stuff. <laughs> so fortunately, we have not had to, you know, they have not yet repurposed us for uh, for ventilator duty. But I have, you know, I have colleagues and friends in New York who, you know, really have dealt with that kind of situation. I mean, this real battlefield mentality and, you know, ORs and PACUs overflowing with, with you know, chronic ventilator patients in these repurposed mm-hmm. ORs and, and, you know, people dying in hallways. It's been, it, you know, these stories are just you know, very different from what we've experienced, but what we're trying to avoid in other parts of the country. And we did speak to Stacey Loeb and Maria Rebell yeah. a few weeks ago and we got uh, an amazing perspective on that, didn't we? But it's not all bad, is it? So, so um, as you said, yeah. we're adjusting to a new normal and, and all sorts of stuff yeah. comes with that. There's a lot of disruption to stuff we normally do and, and um, like for example, travel and meetings and so on. And that, that's all very different. But what about life at home and, and life at work, Matt? Are, are you in the adjustment to the new normal? And are there any good things? Can you come up with uh, some things that actually, you know what, this, this is okay. This actually might even be good. Yeah, look, there's, there's silver linings everywhere, you know, if, when you look for them. Um, you know, and, and some of them are uh, people talked about extensively. Our, our transition to remote uh, healthcare, you know, has been a long time coming, you know, both at the university and especially at the Veterans Hospital where I spend half my time. You know, we have patients, our, our catchment is half of California out to Nevada. I mean, we have patients that routinely would drive five or six hours, you know, certainly three hours, you know, wait an hour for an overflowing clinic for a 10-minute, you know, you're fine sort of checkup, you know, after paying $40 for parking. Yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? The patients don't like it. You know, it's not an efficient use of the provider time. And we've, you know, we've, we've wanted to make use of things like Zoom and, you know, these sorts of things for a long time. Uh but, you know, there was never really an incentive and an impetus to do it. Nobody wanted to deal with the paperwork and the bureaucracy of figuring out the billing and you know, all these sorts of administrative challenges. And, you know, what's kind of been amazing is our sudden willingness and 
face of this crisis to basically throw out these administrative and regulatory bugbears. So, I mean, they literally suspended huge chunks of HIPAA, which is the bill that you know protects protects patient privacy, but has also been used as a, an excuse to not implement all kinds of innovations over the years. Uh, literally got suspended. You know, regulations against uh, your, uh, physicians practicing across state lines, which were also a barrier against. You know, I couldn't do a phone call with a patient in Nevada, for example. Those are out the window. You know, billing has become much more straightforward. So all these things that people over the years said, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. Actually, of course, you can. And you know, that's, no buildings have burned down yet. Um, and we're providing much better service in a lot of ways uh, to patients. So that's a huge silver yeah. lining. And you know, now the conversation is how we're going to figure out a hybrid model for the long term. You know, which pieces of this should persist? You know, which patients really need to travel um, to see us? You know, and and how much of the remote healthcare can we make work and can we optimize? Uh, and there's lots of opportunities. Once you once you're in a remote model, you can do all kinds of. Um, we're starting to build in more kind of visual aids and teaching aids and things into some of these Zoom encounters. It's a great model. It's a great platform for group visits. I mean, there's there's lots of ways to innovate within this space. Um, so that's a big one. Yeah. Um, educational opportunities. I mean, first of all, just this is a perfect example. This podcast that you guys are, are putting on. I mean, this is these these sorts of things reach large large numbers of of people very quickly. Uh, Lindsay Hampson, who's one of the faculty with, with me at UCSF, um, you know, literally within a couple of weeks of the shutdown, you know, she's our associate program director for the residents. And in the course of thinking, you know, what, what do we really want to do with resident education? Uh, what was initially an idea that the faculty would just start recording lectures very quickly became this national effort with a dozen other urologists to launch an online platform, which is called Urology COVID. I'm blanking on what exactly the acronym is, but the COVID stands for something other than the virus. Um, and literally, you know, I did one on PSA screening the second week in. There were, you know, never mind the USSF residents, there were 600 people on the on the uh, on the call on the Zoom meeting, and there have been like a thousand downloads of the YouTube since. So, as a means of kind of getting information out from an educational standpoint. I think it's a you know there are great opportunities that we now need to figure out how to leverage. It's probably a much better way of doing surgical teaching, video teaching, all this sort of thing. So that's another big one. Uh, meetings. To, we should really give yeah, that one a, a good plug. I watched uh, the start of your YouTube video, Matt, because it was getting a lot of traction, and um, I've got it in front of me. So they, of course they have a clever acronym. It's called COVID. Uh, that's Urology Collaborative Online Video Didactics um, hashtag Urology COVID, um, and I, I was amazed. And again, it just people, you know, got a big swell, didn't it? Very quickly, that people said, "Oh yeah, resident education, etc. How can we help?" And boom, boom, boom. Uh, thanks to great leadership at UCSF, L loads of people. Are, it's not just a UCSF thing; lots of people are involved. No, so, no, it's um, national. So it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing thing, how many people. I mean, I've, I've yeah. downloaded a couple of those lectures yeah. too, and it's it's fantastic. It really is, and, and it really um, was a groundswell. She filled in. I mean, Lindsay filled in her Google sheet of, of volunteer lecturers within within days. There were four weeks of curriculum fully built out. I mean, it was, it's really been amazing. Good on you, Lindsay Hampson. We might have to have a chat with her. Absolutely. Yeah. Way to go, Lindsay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, so we got, so he has, has he two things so far? Matt. Two he things said, that number definitely one was the top telehealth, okay. telehealth. And so bits of that should definitely stay. It's really yeah. good. And we, we've said this on this uh, podcast before. We'll, we, we're sure we're going to look back in a few years and, and think, well, you know, what, what was what were we doing? Dragging all these patients back to say really? your PSA is okay or whatever it might be. Yeah, and, uh, exactly, but it's just the way exactly. it was. Yeah. Um, and online education, that's a really good thing. So you're going well, Matt. Um, okay. Anything else? Anything else <laughs> good? Right, one, more, one, more, uh, one more work related one, I suppose. You know, the meetings, the meetings you mentioned, I mean, the meetings are, are tragic in a way. I mean, we all miss, you know, I miss seeing you guys. And yes. I, you know, and I've, I've, obviously it's a, a big part of what I have enjoyed about my academic career over the years is, you know, traveling around and meeting fantastic people all over the world. And, 
eating great food and all this sort of thing and the camaraderie um, and all that is a, is a, you know, many of us are really feeling that, you know, feeling that, that lack, you know, Zoom, Zoom happy hours are great, but not quite the same. Um, you know, but on the other hand, from the standpoint of what a meeting is really meant to do, um, you know, just, just like the resident education piece, you know, it's an opportunity to rethink how a hybrid meeting might look in the future. You know, for people that cannot attend the meeting, you know, we should be able to do much more than just, you know, simulcast out the plenary sessions or, you know, put them up on, on a society website for later static download. Uh, you know, a poster session has really become fairly antiquated when you think about it. You know, why this is not done much more on media. You need asynchronous Q&A by the presenters. You know, so, so some of the meetings are starting. Right? There's going to be little video downloads for video posts for the, uh, for the AUA this year and some of the other meetings. Um, but I think there's a lot more that could be done. We can virtual poster walks are, you know, with some combination of Zoom and Twitter, uh, we've started talking about, and, and there's a lot of ways to innovate that kind of educational uh, piece of the meeting. You know, not that none of that's going to replace the, you know, all the fantastic informal work that that happens at these meetings. Um, but as far as getting the actual meeting content out to a much broader audience and in more interactive ways, I think there are lots of ways to, to think about that, and innovate that. Um, I was on. I was invited to join a couple of the the Italian leadership on an editorial in European Neurology recently on on that topic. Um, so that's the third. I think you know. Again, I, I I'm very much hoping that nobody's going to try to permanently replace the major meetings with uh, well, with Zoom meetings because it's not the same. It saves money, but it's not the same experience. Not the same. You do, you do uh, wonder, but I do think there are ways to. You, you do know. wonder. I mean, because you're right. Certain things will come out of the fact that all the big meetings are disrupted. That will eventually persist and be good things and you, as you say the the idea of having these large poster rooms that are really totally empty most of the time being hired out yeah. for the week for yeah. the AUA probably will be replaced but but you know and and I'm with you I miss I miss the camaraderie and a lot of the good meetings that go around the periphery of the meetings and seeing everybody but worry, worrying thought is this really could this actually be pretty much the the end of the very large scale AUA with a gigantic yeah. um, exhibition hall with the, all these rooms and so on, all the hotels booked out. Maybe, maybe that's not going to be the way anymore. Maybe it'll be a really small meeting with lots of virtual stuff. Yeah. Hybrid, as you say. I would hope not. I would hope the major meetings continue. On the other hand, you know, there are plenty of times that we fly for working meetings, uh, you know, eight people around a conference table, which, you know, those sorts of things really could be done in more of a, uh, more of a, a Zoom sort of environment and you know those types of things um, maybe we will be able to make zoom work uh, you know and avoid the you know flying six hours each way to DC from California that sort of thing so you know that that I would say is kind of a work in progress for uh, TBD I suppose so um, that, that's three things what about um, three work related things, things. That's yeah, so yeah that's, that's, that's work related that's enough for work. Yeah. yeah that's enough work I, I will say and this is kind of obvious but I mean all, all the time at home is is obviously a wonderful thing in its own way. I mean, the, the homeschooling is a challenge <laughs> it's for everybody. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually interesting. Frankly, he's done a very good job with it, especially our, our older son, who is in fifth grade. You know, within a week of the lockdown, they had you know, five to six hours of curriculum programmed for him every day. Um, you know, he's got Google Hangouts to catch up with his friends and all this sort of thing. They're still doing group projects. Um, the, uh, the younger one who's in first grade, uh, initially it was, you know, here's a 20 minute welcome with the teacher. And then here's a set of websites you should use to educate your child. Um, so all that has gotten better now. And I think they're doing a much better job. Uh, the younger ones too. 
it's great to spend time with them. It's great to just sort of slow down. We've been cooking more than we ever have, uh, you know, doing hikes and just spending a lot of time uh, at a slower pace as a family is actually really nice in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I've, I've, I've seen that you're doing a little bit more. I don't know. I've seen that you're doing a little bit more baking with the kids. You've yeah, celebrated a birthday we, in lockdown. Yeah, we've we've taken on yeah we've, we've taken on some some serious cooking challenges, which has been a lot of fun. <laughs> um, the um, you know and, and yeah, we've, we've birthdays, Mother's Day. We had our twentieth anniversary in lockdown. Kids oh, put on okay. You know, celebration for us. It was adorable and it was really, really nice. So, um, so that's been good. You know, that's been uh, that's been a really good thing. Um, you know, and, and like I said, I think what you know, long term, who knows how how we're going to adapt and uh, what what life is going to look like once this has been going on for a year. But uh, you know, for the time being, last couple of months, it's been really nice. Yeah, I totally agree. Has been, has been. Yeah, and so and of course, on a, on, we'll diverge for a second. You've distracted yourself. Actually, we have in our house as well by getting a puppy. Yes. And did you hear this, Matt? So <laughs> Renu has, you know, she's the new love of her life. That's, that's number five for me. That's number five. That's Is number it? five. We've wanted a dog for so long and yeah. uh, and this was the time. Do it in lockdown. And I saw so the we pictures. got a puppy. It, it's like a puppy, but smaller. Oh, you know? he's yes. tiny. Yes. <laughs> Riley. <laughs> that is one adorable, adorable oh, puppy. As yes. I saw the pictures. It, oh it my God, was quite an effort. It, he was up in Rockham. Hampton in, in far north Queensland, and uh, it was quite an effort getting him down to oh, us wow. in Melbourne. But, but that's totally a hike to get a puppy. It was, uh, it was the f- his first solo trip. He was uh, he was yeah. with a brave oh little goodness. puppy. <laughs> yeah, I keep hearing stories that all the animal shelters are empty. I mean, everybody everybody has gone out to you know get a puppy, get a kitten. Yeah. There was even talk. I, you know, my, my wife very nearly went and added a cat to our list of mammals <laughs> that we're responsible for <laughs> for their well-being, <laughs> which did not happen. We still have the dog and you know, the, the children. <laughs> Well, I think it just goes to show that if you've, if you've wanted to do something for a long time, this is the time to do it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, so we've been, I mean, we haven't, we've I've been like fiddling around with guitar lessons online and things like this. I mean, it is, it is time to, to slow down. Um, I will say the one thing I've really struggled with, though, is I, you know, the, when this all started happening, I had this dream, like, this is going to be the academic catch-up time and, you know, all these hours to work on various projects, and none of that has happened. Uh, you know, just having everybody around, the kids around, and everything. I mean, it's just, it has been very difficult to actually carve out like writing time. It's, it's, it's been okay, though. Yeah. Uh, it's not a major, I wouldn't say it's a major issue. Um, and certainly not, you know, in the spectrum of issues with coronavirus, not a big one. Yeah, figure deals out there. Well, yeah. so he's given us some silver linings. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 Did I get to five? And the key is really to, to get a hybrid system going for the future, isn't it? Yeah, I you know, and I, I, I think it really is this question of what does new normal look like and and, and in and in different industries, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's our one of the biggest worries around here is you know, the, the numbers of cases have been so low, but they're estimating half of all the restaurants in the city might shut permanently yeah. because you know, there's only so many months that they can run, you know, with, with no cash flow. So I don't know what, you know, nobody really knows what the, uh, what the story is there. And, you know, centrally things have been so poor. Oh yeah, that's the fifth silver lining is November will hopefully be a better complete that we will finally have uh, new leadership. So that's the fifth silver lining. If anything was going to take this guy down, I think it might be, uh, <laughs> be COVID-19. So, so uh, we, hopefully. We, we, this could turn very political very quickly. <laughs> we will actually have some national leadership. So I don't know how far into politics we're supposed to stray or not, but, uh, oh. but that's going to be a big silver lining. Yeah. yeah, I remember Matt. I mean, um, uh, uh, 
last year when you introduced me to the hashtag Cal Exit, um, halfway through your yeah. current leadership thinking, no, California, we're actually the world's, I think, third biggest economy. We could actually just split. We're going we're gonna to yeah. follow Brexit and have Cal Exit. Actually, you know, when Donald Trump was first elected into office, I was doing my fellowship there. Yeah, yeah, you were. Very interesting time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, there, there's actually the, my favorite proposal is that we go with Washington, Oregon, and maybe take British Columbia with us too, and you know, form a country called Cascadia, which would definitely be the best place in the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing that's uh, so I'm listening to you, and it's always lovely listening to you. And um, you've been to you've been to Melbourne many times. Your family've been here. You were in my house. Yes. It only seems like yesterday, last year, with the kids, I and um, when you were visiting Professor. Um, and uh, you know, we've enjoyed a lot of those benefits. You've said, and thankfully, like you, we our city has not been devastated by coronavirus. So there's a lot of still serious yeah. stuff going on, isn't there? But I I am enjoying as well that um, the the decrease in pace of life and catching up with kids. My kids are same age as yours, uh, as you know. Um, and I think that is something we'll probably cherish a little bit uh, out of it a bit more. Um, but one of the other things that myself and my wife have um, uh, indulged a bit in is a bit more binge Netflix that we didn't have in our lives uh, uh, up to this. Because usually, I don't know, there was always something happening. But I have to ask you, so have you have you and Jackie been uh, over Netflixing or whatever streaming service you might prefer? Or what are you oh, watching? Yeah. Yeah, over, I don't know, probably not that much worse than usual, but we do go through phases with different shows. Uh, we are nearly done with Tiger King, uh, which has been endlessly entertaining and you know, definitely a different piece of America than <laughs> what we live in. Um, let's see, we caught up on a show called Sneaky Pete, which was really good. Um, uh, the new season, I watched, uh, this was not the two of us, but I watched uh, the third, third season of Westworld was good not as good as the first two but but still quite good um i'm trying to think what what others what about you renew um Gosh. You know what I've been watching, um, and uh, I think of you every time I, this program comes on. Ozarks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was, we just we just watched the last season oh, of that, the new God. season of that. So this is like normal Ozarks America. I, I just look at that and I think this is yeah. You know, this is I think what it's actually like when you when you leave, <laughs> when you leave yeah, Metro America. Absolutely. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You know, people like to say we live in a bubble on the coast. I think you know, the bubble is in the middle of the country, and it's a, it's a big bubble. Uh, sometimes, almost even a traffic core that needs. To be <laughs> It is. So I'm enjoying catching uh, up on a little bit of Netflix uh, in the evenings. And, uh, and like you, I, I did yeah, look at no. this thinking, right, I'm going to, I actually am catching up on some stuff. And we've actually really rolled off a few big projects in, in the past um, a couple of months here. Um, and uh, also, like I note what? you keep sending me a lot of papers to bloody review for European neurology. <laughs> so the triage editors you have know, been. <laughs> I, I will tell you what, it, it has definitely been very clear. I've never seen, I was talking to Todd Morgan about this. He's been hit too. And I would say it's at least double the typical volume, if not more. So there are definitely lots of people out there that have figured out the lockdown academically much better than I have. Double the volume. I think it is. It definitely is because we're seeing it everywhere. We are trying to submit more, but uh, I'm on the receiving end with the uh, peer review side of it as well. I think. Of course, of course. <laughs> and what about, are you uh, missing eating out, uh, Matt? Because I know you're a bit of a foodie and I know you've got your favourite restaurants in Melbourne. I think you, you love Supernormal. You super love normal. Long Grain. My, my son still talks about Supernormal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Long Grain was phenomenal. So uh, are you, are you ordering out. in back home? Yeah, we're we're making a point of ordering it at least a couple times a week, just for the sake of you know yeah. supporting the supporting the restaurants and all that, and breaking things up a little bit. We we have been cooking more than we ever have. Um, you know, we've always done a ton of ordering and takeout, just the city being what it is and busy life being what it is. So now it's a little more time, making point of cooking more. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's it's. 
I, I desperately miss just going out and having a nice meal. I mean, yeah. it's uh, so a lot of the restaurants, a lot of the places that can do takeout are, and I think they're having mixed success. Like in a lot of places, I think some are doing it really well, others are really struggling. Some of the really, you know, Michelin star places are doing these kind of limited takeout things too. We've tried this once or twice. They give you like the, either they give you the whole kit and you kind of set it up at home, or uh, or you know, it's just a big bag with a bunch of little parcels in it. And you're supposed to set things up and they tell you add add A to B, and you know. Yeah. It's not bad. It's not bad, but it's not the same. So, Matt, um, um, before we finish up, um, uh, back to prostate yeah. cancer, um, if you don't sure, mind. Sure. So, uh, in in the uh, in the papers here in uh, Melbourne today on ABC National Radio, actually, um, headlines are saying that um, uh, there's been a massive decline uh, in patients coming through the door into primary care to get their yeah. regular checkup or their cancer checkup or whatever. And um, yeah. I see here Jeff Dunn, who's the um, the chief exec of the Prostate Cancer Foundation in Australia, says there's been a massive decline in PSA testing. And they've just seen data yeah. showing that um, the number of uh, PSA tests being done over the past eight weeks is down 60 or 70 percent uh, compared to before. Yeah. And, and here in the cancer center, I suppose, and we've we spoke about this a little in the media last week as well. Um, uh, we're definitely seeing less people coming through the door with that diagnosis sure. or whatever. And we hear from primary care that, you know, people are just not, not going in and they're afraid to go in. They don't want to go into a crowded waiting room and so on. Yeah. Um, and you've you've written an awful lot about uh, the impact of um, uh, advice about PSA testing when the USPSTF yeah. came out originally and we saw the impact it had. You know, negative negative recommendations yeah. led to much less PSA testing. And, and we know it doesn't really matter for a while, but it, it can matter if it's a sustained thing like over a few years as USPSTF was. And, yeah. and this may well be a bit of a sustained thing. So have you have you any, any thoughts or, or concerns about early detection uh, in this era or any, any words you'll leave us with? Yeah, I mean, lots of thoughts and concerns, but no, I mean, nothing to really do yet. Because frankly, I mean, people are staying home with heart attacks too. So, um, I mean, it's a much the 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 impact of the stay-at-home orders on non-COVID-related healthcare. You know, for now, are it's, it's focused on much more acute issues than than prostate cancer. We, you know, we've obviously been concerned about this even during the weeks when. I mean, there were a couple of weeks when we were not doing any prostate cancer surgery, even for gleason nines. Um, you know, it was pretty much suspectomies only in that sort of thing for a couple of weeks. Uh, we're back to it now and kind of working the backlogs. And yet nobody's worried in a month or two that even a high-grade cancer is likely to really progress all that much. Um, and if things went back to normal tomorrow or next month or even over the summer, we'd be fine. But, you know, if it goes on a year and a half, which it very well may, uh, what does that look like? And it's not just the lack of access to healthcare because people are worried about the offices. It's all the economic implications, you know, the unemployment rates, and people losing their insurance in the states. Um, somebody had somebody tweeted this nice paper I had not seen before uh, from last year. I think they just tracked PSA testing in the states by economic periods of recession and and boom. And not surprisingly, given our healthcare system, it tracked pretty well. So you know, in times of recession rates of PSA screening go down, probably because people can't afford to go to their primary docs with the copays and losing their insurance, et cetera. So it's a big issue. Um, you know, it's obviously prostate cancer is not top on anybody's mind at the public health level right now. But when we start to look at what the cancer impact is in you know national data a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, I would be shocked if we don't see spikes and you know stage migration and drops in screening rates and all the downstream implications of that um, in prostate cancer, bladder cancer, and, and you know, everything that we do. So, you know, again, there's not, I, I wouldn't say there's a lot to 
do about that because these are folks that are just staying away from primary care period i don't think it's that you know they're going to the primary care doc and getting a perfectly normal psa check except the doc who would have ordered a psa is not going to order a psa i think these are this is just lack of primary care um and you know there'll, there'll be a catch-up at some point but i i think there's no question we're going to be in for a in for a, a problem in terms of rates of diagnosis my only hope on this is that you know i, I do think we've been kind of coming toward a consensus the recent New England Journal article notwithstanding about what a smarter screening paradigm might look like. Um, I, you know, and, and I think that message, at least locally where I work, is starting to get some resonance and some traction with primary care. I think the, the sort of knee-jerk task force said no uh, stance is fading. And I think they're, they're we're getting at least, a, certainly UCSF has done a couple of years and had fantastic conversations with primary care docs. And as of last July, we actually have PSA, you know, have a discussion about PSA not necessarily draw the test, but we have discussion. It's baked into our primary care maintenance dashboard the same way mammography or colonoscopy would be. Um, and we've actually used the, the amazing technology of our billion-dollar EMR um, epic, which you guys, yeah. I understand, are now inflicting on yourselves too. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it can do basic arithmetic, and it can say if the PSA is less than one, don't pop up this message again for five years. So, yeah. you know, it's, we're, we're actually using the technology to its maximum potential. <laughs> Uh, so, so I'm actually very excited about this kind of paradigm, this kind of shared shared uh, development of pathways with primary care. Um, so, I mean, that's that obviously was pre-COVID, but I'm hoping that as things start to thaw out, at least we'll be in a place where we've got a more intelligent, reasoned approach to PSA screening rather than the screen everybody until the 95 or don't ever draw a PSA test kind of uh, bipolar mentality. Really good. So and hopefully, I, things. Hopefully, we're going to find a nice, a nice. You know, hopefully, we're gonna, once things the dust starts to settle it'll find us in a, in a more intelligent approach to PSA screening across the system. That's number six. Yeah, and things like the Aqua <laughs> registry that you lead will, will help yeah, measure that yeah. in almost real time, yeah. won't it? But look, we've, started, we've started talking about that. Can we actually track urology practice yeah. week to week to week in the states that are shutting down and the states that are not shutting down? Yeah. We're starting to gear up to, to look at those sort of things. Very cool. There's, there's tons of research opportunities everywhere, of course. You know, yeah. uh, not to mention the fact that COVID's co-receptor is tempers too. I mean, that's just yeah. bizarre. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, right. It's all about urology at the end of the day, really. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Cooperberg, um, thank you so much again for uh, joining us. You've cheered us up and uh, no end by seeing you here on the Zoom screen in front of us and, and hearing pleasure. your voice. It's been great to chat, man. Uh, yeah, and it's a shame we haven't get, yeah. got to see you. Yeah. In, in, we'll, we won't see you at all this year, that's for sure. I know we won't leave Australia and you won't get in here. Um, but uh, happier times again in the future. In the meantime, all those nice, happy things you uh, shared with us the the new normal uh, our ways of connecting and educating and so on and we will make the most of it yeah. and enjoy it um so thank you and hello to everyone at ucsf renew uh, that's all uh, from uh, you and me any last messages from at cooperberg no thanks for the invite it is always a pleasure thank you, you for really thank you for coming you matt 2021 if not before exactly <laughs> Absolutely. right and best wishes yeah, to everyone well, at home Take care. Yeah, bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. And that's it from us uh, at GU Cast from myself and uh, Renew. It was a great Ethan. chat. It was a great chat. It's yeah. always nice to chat to Matt Cooperberg. And uh, we will be back uh, very soon with another episode. If you've liked what you've heard, please do subscribe or like. And please do um, suggest some topics if you want us to cover anything at all to do with uh, GU. Take care. Bye-bye.